0: Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On this week's episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, I have the wonderful Rochelle Harlington. She is a woman who chooses personal power faith and hope to grant her resilience and strength in life. She is the founder of a personal development business called Roots for Success that helps individuals center build strengths and attain success. She is a transformational coach, speaker and a real estate investor. She is also the survivor of an abusive relationship. We have the most compelling conversation about the healing journeys of not only the mothers who have been hurt by abusive relationships, but also the path to healing that mothers must journey on with their children after their children have been hurt by abuse and just how heart-wrenching it is to see your children suffering and how this really polarizes the importance of making the moments count with your children and finding joy in those moments. So this conversation also highlights why coaches are coaches. It is because they have been down the road ahead of others and have the experience and the skill set to help others overcome their challenges and breakthrough, which is what you really want to be doing on the other side so that you can have transformations take place in your life. The more women that I talk to, the more evident it is that healing is a journey that can last a lifetime, but how those who have the courage to say yes, to do what is needed to heal their lives are the most beautiful, wise, empathetic, strong and compassionate women for it. Now, Rochelle is one of those women. So let's hear now how Rochelle went from survivor to success. Just a caution if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Did you know that you can become a patron of this podcast? Patrons are the people who breathe life into this production and help this podcast reach more listeners. If you can help Tiara's Tears and Triumphs go the extra mile, you can be the reason a victim of abuse rediscovers her smile. Just go to patron.podbean.com forward slash empowering victims or go to the link in the episode notes. So hello, Rochelle, and welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. I'm just so, so, so happy to have you here as a featured guest today. I feel like there are so many parallels in our lives from um, your bio. I just felt like we were soul sisters and I felt like um, there is a commonality in who we are but I know that you know what we've experienced in life has been quite different and this makes our, our journey through life quite unique so I can't wait for you to share your life journey starting from the things that shaped you as you were growing up if we can look at that and then perhaps just go on and look at um, the need that you had to leave a relationship and finally to, you know, talking about how how all of this has led you to doing, you know, this work that you're doing now as a transformational coach. So please just start wherever, (laughs) wherever (laughs) you'd like.
1: (laughs) That's a lot to think about. But, yeah, um, well, I think I can probably share with you um i think a big transition for me was as a child i mean i was born in the uk and at a very young age we started traveling all over the world because of my father's work i think real pinnacle part was being in so many different countries it was a lot it was a lot on a child because you have to start shifting and changing to sort of adapt to different cultures I mean when I say different countries we were everywhere from North Africa to New Zealand to Canada to the UK to Morocco so I was always shifting and changing and trying to blend in because as a child you don't want to stand out all the time right Um, especially when At least back when I was a kid, you know, you were new in the class and they would bring you to the front of the class and say, this is the new student. And I absolutely hated it, right? (laughs) I just couldn't stand it. I was like, can I just sit in the back and blend in with everybody? Um, So that was very uh, changing. And of course, back then, uh, the internet wasn't a thing. So a lot of what went on in other countries, a lot of cultures and systems and things nobody really knew of. So if you can imagine a 15 year old um, here in Canada at the time we were living, I had just gone to sort of the fair, which we had, which came every year. Uh, I had to break up with my boyfriend because my parents told me we were moving to North Africa and got on a plane thinking, okay, this isn't too bad. You know, I've done this before to arrive in North Africa at 15 and a half, 16 years old to get into Tripoli and look around and think, where have I come? Got on another separate small plane, probably what they call um, an F-27, which is like small propeller plane, and fly into the Sahara Desert, land on a small tarmac. I remember getting off the plane, it was so hot. I looked at my mother, because my father and my brother were already there, and said, can I get back on the plane, please? Because I do not want to stay here. And she's like, no, you can't. And I was like, where have you brought me? Like, remember, I was used to civilization and houses and corner stores and restaurants and malls. And all of a sudden, I was looking at these little bungalows in the middle of the Sahara Desert. And I was just, I was very angry and mortified that they had brought me there. And I was there for about six months um and then then they said well you know you have to go to school so we're going to put you in school and so we went looking for schools and then I was dropped into a boarding school most people would say oh that's fantastic you got to go to a boarding school again the same process of being dropped off complete strangers now I couldn't even go home at the end of the day I had to live with a bunch of girls I didn't even know you know sleep in the same room use the same showers so You become very thick skinned after a while you start to like let really nothing bother you because at that point you've been at least for me trucked around the world so much living out of suitcases and i remember one time we were on our way down to new zealand and my toys were on their way back to canada because we had changed again so i didn't have any toys for about a year and a half so all of these things continue to constantly happen and and I would say at the time, I was angry and frustrated. But I can tell you now that that may be who I am today, because when I left North Africa at the end of the 80s, probably, I think, 89, I was a very angry individual because I didn't like the way that women were treated. I didn't like the way... Um, People spoke to me. I didn't like any of those things, right? Um, But at the same time, when I got out of there, I realized, okay, I've got a lot of anger inside me. I need to like put this into something. So, you know, I try different things in life to sort of get through it. And over the course of my life, I've dealt with that frustration, seeing those injustices happen. And now, of course, the, the world sees them because it's all over the internet, But as a 17 and 18 year old, seeing those things happen to you and see those things happen to other people um, was very intense, like to be talking to a male person and then suddenly have a car pull up beside me, say, get in the car. And and I'm scared because I don't know what's going on. I get put in the car and I think, okay I'm either going to be raped or killed or both. And I have no idea. I'm taken to an office. I get put put in a seat and then the gentleman says you're going to be okay we're going to call your father. And my father was called and he was told to come and get me. And I said what did what did I do wrong? And he said you spoke to another man and I was like I'm 17. Like what what do you mean I can't talk to another man? And he's like no honey you can't. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I I really wanted to leave. I just wanted to get out of that country as I have no, especially at 17, like that's kind of like the blossoming years of a teenager. And when I first got back, um, I decided to come back to Canada to stay with my mother. I was so ingrained with the way that that society was that I remember even going into gross uh, like clothing stores or grocery stores, I would stay just behind my mother and I wouldn't touch anything and she was looking at me and she was like it's okay you can touch stuff again because in that country no women were allowed to pick anything you weren't allowed to touch stuff you have to stay behind the parents and so it took me about a year to be able to feel comfortable to actually go into a store purchase something and not be worried about being hit or yelled at right so, so a lot of
0: a lot of subservience going on yeah
1: really and I think that's where the anger came from of what you know I didn't have my own right to do anything um Mm -hmm. so of course you know I think so you were very
0: constricted Rochelle very constricted with everything and I think
1: that's what made me very rebellious and Mm -hmm. so for a period of years I was extremely rebellious if you said I couldn't do it I would just do it just to say I could because I had been so suppressed for so long right Um, but at the same time, even though there was a lot of stuff that was intense, I got to see parts of the world back in the eighties and nineties that nobody, you know, no one I knew at that time, you know, I got to see parts of the world that we didn't even know about. And I got to travel and I got to experience and I got to really see the world. And I know that those experiences made me who I am today. And I can honestly say that whoever I speak to, wherever they're from, I can usually resonate with them in some way and say, yeah, don't you have this, this, and this? And they're very surprised. They're like, how do you know that? You must've seen on the internet. I'm like, no, I actually experienced this or I've lived there or I visited there. So it's made me feel very comfortable with humanity in the sense of we are all one. It's just our cultures and and our society that makes us all a little bit different. So.
0: Yeah, you've been exposed to so much diversity in your upbringing, and I think that um, through that, it's it's such a an eye opener. I think as much as it was such a, a difficult situation for you as a child being pulled from pillar to post and not having. I guess, any roots, you you know, like you were just picked up and plonked down and you needed to just assimilate into a new culture, you know, very and adapt very quickly. So you've learned some amazing skills from that. But it, it's also, I think, been such an eye-opener for you that the world is a, a big place. It's an amazing place. And Um, And there's so much diversity in the world, which helps you to imagine it would help you to be very empathetic towards lots of people because you've seen so many differences, cultural differences, you know, from those times that you've travelled. So, um, yeah, I I really when I was having a look at your bio and, and now having this conversation with you. I thought about just that part of it of not having roots and what that would mean to a child and how that would impact on you in your adulthood. Can I just ask you, you know, how how did that impact on you? Can you see the impacts of not having roots and having to be uprooted before you'd even sort of got any roots in a place and then you were up and as I said you know picked up plonked down and here we go again you know how did that impact on you in either like a need to find roots in your adulthood or did it help you to just be continue to be very adaptable Mm. and make home wherever wherever it happened to be?
1: Um, I would have to say that, um, I, I do, I'm, (laughs) I'm a little bit of a nomad. So wherever I go, I, 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 I easily adapt in and I do love to travel uh, still to this day. However, I think I did want some home base. Um, and I know that once I had my son, um, I really wanted just to, to stay in sort of that area. And even after um, our relationship, his father and I relationship uh, broke up, I did not want to travel and yank my children out of the area or the school because I knew what it was like and I knew how tough it could be to have to start all over again. And I didn't know if my son, um, my daughter maybe, but I wasn't sure if my son was strong enough to do that. So I tried. To stay, and that's why I've stayed in Canada for so long. Don't get me wrong. I've traveled all over the place, but I think I really wanted to keep a home base for them because it takes a lot to be resilient and know that, you know, you don't know where you're living. You have to make new friends, new customs, new cultures. Um, There was times where I didn't have a home to go to, in a sense, my bedroom, you know, or um I did come home for family gatherings and festive times but it was always in a country that was you know somewhere that wasn't really home we were there because of my father's work um so it was good and bad like there was some stuff that I wish I'd had you know that that I see it in the movies sometimes where you know the kids grown up in the house and they have a bedroom mm-hmm. and and they know all their friends and so I'm I guess I miss that but I have friends all over the world now because of the travels. Um, but at the same time, it I got to see, by the time I was 18, I had seen most of the world, you know? So what I've done, I think, for my children, because I didn't want them to be, it to be as hard for them, because they're older now, uh, 22 and 17, is I kept them in the home base, so they had all those friends, But what I did is I encouraged them as soon as they were old enough to travel, even without me, to go visit their grandfather, to go to these places, to see these places, to experience life, because I wanted them to see the world as well, but maybe not have some of the the hardships I had, which, you know, at least that was how I felt as a mother. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know, but I knew it was, it's tough and you have to have sort of a tough outer skin to go through that, so... I hope that answered your question yeah
0: absolutely it's you know really interesting what you were talking about with your children and you know wanting to give them that um, constancy um, in having that home base I know for me when I uh, ended up fleeing an abusive relationship and having to uproot you know um, my children from our home and our community and from their school and I know how hard it was for them to be picked up and plonked down somewhere else and we had to do that twice within a very short space of time the one thing that I wanted to do to keep some constancy going for them through that really uncertain time was to have them in the same school system so they were still in had a very familiar sort of curriculum and everything that they were doing and and they kind of knew the way that that school a system worked and so that was important to me and I just think that um, you want your children to have stability and yes. it is whatever stability represents I suppose you know in your mind you just do your best as a parent don't you to, um, mm-hmm. to, to do the right thing as you see the right thing to be for your children whether or not it is. We know we're not perfect. We know that that they've got their um, things that they'll take into their adulthood, and um, and think when I have, if they're going to have children, that they'll do things differently to the, the way that we did things with them. Um, You just do your best at the end of the day. But I'm the same as you where I really encourage that kind of independence in my children because of some of the traumas that they've been through. Um, It's suppressed them from being open and and I've had to be really mindful not to be a helicopter mum, you know, too much of the time to Mm -hmm. be able to just let them go and um, and give them that freedom to explore which for me it's been a process to get there because I needed to know first that my children were safe and once i would worked through that and I'd reconciled that they were safe and it was okay for them to explore then you know I've just had to say right okay stop being a helicopter mum and just let them go and you know build up their resilience and their independence and um and allow them the freedoms and this, this time that we're living in is is quite a an uncertain time in terms of travel. When you've got my children, I've got three teenage children, and I'm a bit dubious about international travel now with um, you know COVID and different strains, and it's just changed the landscape for for travel. And um, and I, I think you know that part of me. Um, I really need to work on that constantly as my children grow up and I I don't want to shut them down from exploring because of my inhibitions about what could possibly happen if they were to travel so yeah no thank you for sharing that because there's just there's so much to your upbringing and how that shaped you Um, but can we just go forward a bit to the time where um, you married and you had children, and and that relationship that you were in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually wasn't married. Um, I had met their father uh, through some friends, um, and you know, you're young. You you sort of take on some of the traumas and don't think anything of it. I remember my mom not really wanting me to date him but I did um and then of course I moved him in with me um and I at the time had a house and uh it it just became very emotionally abusive at first um and you think oh you know I can make this better something will work out I got pregnant with my son um and thought okay this will change everything things will work out no it, it got worse mm-hmm. um and it actually transitioned from the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse to me to start on my son who at the time was just two so um he hit him when he was two it, the neighbors I guess heard him uh, screaming me screaming um him threatening to kill me um and he was arrested and thrown in jail uh well for a couple of days um I wouldn't say anything because you know when you're in that trauma you don't know what's going on you don't know what to say I didn't you know the cops were like oh we could take your child and like I'm saying nothing I'm not going to say a word because I just didn't know what to do I remember having him gone for those few days and I was at peace Um and I thought, okay, this is okay, you know, I I, what should I do? And it's not I, I didn't know what to do. It wasn't like I could just move out because the house was mine. I would have to sell the house. He called me from jail um crying. And of course, you know, I loved him, so I felt terrible. And I got him a lawyer, and uh through the process I got him out. Um and things were good for probably about a year and a half, two years. I got, I thought, okay, I'll have another baby. So I had a little girl. Well, that didn't go well either. Because within three months of having that baby, I started to look for a place to live. The verbal abuse was getting bad. The physical abuse uh, had started a little bit with me and more on my son. I mean, I just wanted, I, I didn't know what to do. I felt very trapped. I felt very scared. I felt very Unsure. My parents wouldn't come to the house anymore. They didn't want to visit. They didn't like him. My friends stopped coming around. I just hated my life. But at the same time, when you own a house and it's yours, you know, he wouldn't leave. And so I didn't know what to do. I and part of me didn't want to throw him on the street. So I was very torn and very empathetic. And so, but I knew that it had to stop because, you know. I didn't want the abuse to continue to me or my son. I didn't feel this was the right way to go. So I I took the leap of faith and I put the house on the market. And I remember him trying to do everything to stop the sale. Um, And I just kept saying, no, I'm going to sell this house. I'm going to do it. There's nothing you can do. After it sold, he did he got a lawyer and tried to stop the sale and came after me for a lot of money and i was like you've only been living here like seven years if that and few of those years were terrible so i was again empathetic and kind and i gave him some money agreed to some he wanted more i agreed to that because i thought if i just agree to that little extra more he'll stop and he did So I was able to sell the house, I was able to get out. I took my two children, I got out, and I remember the first night that I had my own apartment. It was scary because you know I hadn't lived in an apartment building for years and I was terrified of all the noises. Um, But to sleep in my bed and have peace and quiet and have nobody yelling at me or yelling at my kids. I mean, the trauma was big to my son. He wouldn't hit my daughter, but he hit my son. And so, of course, he was, my son was scared. He would sleep with his sister. There was a lot of trauma. I was trying to get my children into therapy groups and all kinds of programs that were, I could get to help them work through this and myself included. So we could undo some of the stuff that was done to us because we were all, I was very angry. My son was angry. Um, and then, I decided you know what I had kept them in the same school but I was a little bit out of the district so I moved back into the area again so we were closer and unfortunately during the custody of him them going to stay with him for a little bit and stay with me for a little bit he abused my son very badly um, to the point where he came home um, and they all told me what had happened and I remember thinking I'm going to go kill him. <laughs> because it's your child, right? Like, how can you, to a, 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 at that time, he would have been just 10 years old. So I took him with me to work. Um, I didn't want to, didn't want to beat him in school. I didn't want him. He was terrified to go anywhere. That day, we fortunately had a session with the Like There was this great program that helped you sort of get through breakups and stuff. I took him that day. I didn't, I didn't know what to do because I was so angry. And I knew that if, if i just if i just sat with it for a little bit i would come to a conclusion i didn't want to react i didn't want to go over there and beat down his door and you know do something i regretted doing and it worked out for the best because ultimately the counselor spoke to me i said some stuff has happened i think you should speak with my son he spoke with my son and immediately that was the end of that everybody was called in family services the detectives everything He was charged with child abuse. Um, And then it became a long process of him going to court. And um, I don't know, I mean, it was hard on both my kids. Uh, Not so much my daughter. I I think she's tough like me, but my son was very gentle and it made him very angry. (sighs) Do I sometimes wish That I hadn't
0: done that. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by the How to Feel a Million Dollars Even If You Are Just Scraping By workshop. In a world that conditions us to lack and limitations, This workshop is here to help women who have been made to feel not good enough to find a way to rediscover the treasures that lie within themselves and to find confidence matched with courage and conviction to help them to move in the direction of a rich and rewarding life. To find out more how to manifest an abundant life and to sign up for the next workshop, just go to www.sandy.com j.com.au/workshop or go to the episode notes and click on the link there is one final workshop in 2021 which is scheduled for the 6th of December so jump on the link and join up if you'd like to participate in this workshop to end the year on a high note and I'm really really excited to tell you about the plans that we have for the new year we are going to be launching it in mid-November so stay tuned to future episodes to find out out more about the new offer for the new year.
1: I hadn't been with that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think I think the biggest the biggest part that is still well I've overcome it. I've worked with through it. As you can see it's still yeah it's hard still sometimes to talk about it um yeah but I think the biggest part for me was that when my son was abused the last time um that I was not there to protect him Mm -hmm. and as a mother you always Mm -hmm. want to be there to protect Mm -hmm. your children That was the part that took me a long time through a lot of work, a lot of stuff that I worked with many people to overcome, because I felt like I let them down. I've continued to share with my children that what happened was crappy. It wasn't good, you know, but at the end of the day, you can choose to do two things. You can choose to hate him and have anger for him. Or you can choose to forgive what happened and accept him for who he is and choose how much time and energy you give to that person. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is the only way you're going to heal. Because if you keep the anger inside you, it will make you sick. Um, yeah, I've shared that with my daughter. I've shared it with my son. I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I could tell you like in this year, especially my daughter's gone through a lot. I've told her to to try and work with different modalities to heal some of the Mm -hmm. frustration she has. She's been more open to it. My son, unfortunately, um, a lot of times when we have emotions and anger, we don't deal with it. It usually shows up some other way physically. And about four years ago, we started to notice he started to have like eczema really bad behind the legs. Well, he had it when he was younger and I, through homeopathic medicine, I kind of healed it. And then he didn't like that it was still around. So he put creams on it that didn't help. And I remember saying to him, if you put the creams on you're gonna push the anger and the emotions back into the body and it's gonna come and it's gonna show up somewhere else, either in your stomach or your lungs. So in February this year, my son was rushed to the hospital. And uh, after six months of in and out of the hospital, he was diagnosed with Crohn's, Mm -hmm. which is a very (sighs) shitty disease. Mm. Um, And so I spent six months this year with COVID. Uh, which was horrible because
0: yeah. you're only allowed,
1: you're not even allowed sometimes in the hospitals. Yes. Yeah. Um, working through all of that and trying to support my son as mm-hmm. best as I could. Uh, because you know, you watch your healthy child go from, you know, certain weight suddenly down to 85 pounds and almost lose. I almost lost him, I think, in May. Yeah, because he was just such a bare minimum. What I think it's that moment, I think. Watching everything with him happen. Has made me more humble than I ever was. And understanding that and I've shared this with both of them because my son was very angry He blamed everything on his father. And I said, wait a minute, you can't blame everything on your father. You have to take some responsibility because, you know, life does happen, but it doesn't always have to happen to us. So I said, yes, you can hold your father responsible, but you also have to hold yourself responsible for not taking care of yourself because you're not eating as well as you should have also, accelerated and you stressed yourself out. So it just sped it up quicker. What was there just got quicker. So he did take that responsibility. He did start start meditating. Um, He has been more open to some of the modalities which I've shared with him, as well as my daughter. It's been tough. I've actually had to allow his father to come into my home again which was extremely difficult because I wanted to throw him down the stairs. (laughs) Um, But it taught me something. It taught me that the anger and the frustration that I felt for him, I had to let go of Uh and know at the end of the day, in his own weird warped way, his father did love him. He just didn't know how to show and express it, and did love my daughter. He just had a weird way to express it because of what he was taught as a child. His upbringing was horrible, terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've learned to accept that. I've learned to accept that him coming into my home on a regular basis to see my son during those six months. I had to let go of that anger, let go of that frustration, and I did. I see him now and I have no no feelings of frustration because I figured if I hold that within myself then I'm doing detriment to me and to see my children trying to build a relationship with their father then I want nothing more because you want the child to have a father you don't want them to not so even if they have a tiny relationship with him and have a little bit of fun with him then then I'm it's good all of these transformations all of these ups and downs has been tumultuous a lot and has been Mm -hmm. very impactful on my life I'm surprised I haven't turned to a a bottle at times right
0: yeah you know that's um, really interesting that you you know said that because that is a tendency that we will turn to an escape like you know alcohol or drugs, whether it's, you know, prescription drugs or illicit drugs, but um, there are escapes because we want to numb that pain that we're feeling inside because it hurts so much and we don't want to be experiencing that. And so we'll do something to try and dull that pain and mask it over so that we can just have a bit of a break, a bit of respite, yeah, from it. Um, so it's very understandable that uh, people will turn to harmful escapes. It could even be comfort eating. There's so many different things that we'll do um, to either self-soothe or um to self-abuse, you know, because we're trying to just numb that pain. So yeah. And, I, I mean, you know, I just, there's so I... many things. I just, I, Rochelle, you know, like you and I, you're in Canada, I'm here in Australia, and I wish I could just give you a big hug right now. Um, there's things that, you know, like this is a gift to be able to have this conversation with you when you're in Canada um, and to be able to talk about these very intimate experiences that you've had in your life um feel very privileged that you have felt um okay to be sharing that with me in this conversation um and I can really empathize with having to forgive myself as a mum for the Um, being caught in that cycle of abuse and being feeling trapped and not knowing how to break that cycle and how to protect my children more than what I did at times because I just didn't know how to do any more than what I was doing Um, and I know that my children have damage from the things that
1: they have
0: experienced and that all of this healing that I'm able to do in my own life is good on more than one level more than Mm -hmm. the level of it just being good for me but it also shows my children That there is a path to healing for them, and if they don't want to go on that path right now, at least they're seeing through experience from my example that it is important to engage with your healing, and rather than getting bitter about the things that you've been through and the fallout from that, is to actually choose to heal and get better so it's and knowing that your what happened to you is still you're still experiencing fallout from that now Mm -hmm. through through your children and also you've found another level of healing in your own life that you've needed to go through with being in that position where you're ex-partner has come into your home again that you thought I would never let this man step Mm -hmm. through my door ever again but here you've been you know confronted with this situation with your son needing to have visits with him and this being the only way and it's been an opportunity for you to heal a part another part of yourself that you didn't perhaps know still needed healing in your own healing journey it's only been because you've been presented with Mm -hmm. this thing of him needing to come into your home that you've gone oh wow that really I really don't like that at all I'm really not wanting him to be anywhere near me my home just and and that has just brought that up for you that that's something that you needed to work through. So it's been it has been a gift in a way on your your healing journey and perhaps this is going to be you know a gift to him and his his healing journey too. Um I know that I have a tendency to relate to my abusive ex-partner as being just exactly the same as what he was when I was in that cycle of abuse with him Mm -hmm. I can't actually uh, logically fathom that he has really transformed his own life in any way I um, and I know that there's this uh, you know The statistics and everything sort of say well narcissists are narcissists and um you know they'll just bounce from one relationship to another and they'll keep perpetrating the same behaviors and they won't change and you've had to give your ex-partner grace to say maybe you're not the man you used to be maybe the you know you've actually learned some lessons from those experiences and from having to be accountable for the things that you have done. Um, maybe that has taught you something, maybe that, you know, because I I always looked for that light bulb moment with my ex-partner to see that there was that transformation moment, that he was actually really getting what he needed to change in terms of his behaviour Um, so that he wouldn't keep perpetrating the same cycle over and over in his life Um, I never saw that I never saw any evidence of it and and for me I really feel so much for women who can't get that uh, distance from their ex-partner who's been abusive towards their children Mm -hmm. that's like an impossible situation to navigate it really is just absolutely harrowing to have to put your child into the care of the person that you know to be an abuser it just mm-hmm. makes absolutely no sense to be allowing it's a very child, you know,
1: yeah
0: yeah And, you know, you've got court orders and everything to say that they have access to your child. I can't imagine being in that position. I am very grateful that uh, I actually managed to get an indefinite intervention order uh, in place, which is like a restraining order that says that for indefinite amount of time, which is just ongoing he cannot come near myself or the children so you know it would be up to the children to say that they want to change that if they wanted to have a relationship with their father at yeah. this stage none of them have any interest in that so um but as they grow up they may they may decide that they want to reconnect it with him for some reason um but at this stage, that's not something that I've had to contend with. And I'm that space, that distance that we've had from him has really allowed me the freedom to explore my healing and has also allowed me to provide the kids with more security that they're not, you know, that I, I'm sheltering them, I've given them that shelter, I've right. you know, like put that boundary in place. So um, it's very black and white for us, but it's not, I understand it's not black and white for many, many women who are mums and, you know, their children are vulnerable because they're still having to have contact with the abusive, yeah, their abusive father. So, you know, really just really wish that I could give you a massive hug at the moment.
1: Thank you. And I
0: just I'm very, very grateful to you, Rochelle, for for sharing all that you have in our conversation. Um, There's so much more, but um if we can talk a bit about has what you know led you to doing when I said I feel like I'm a soul sister with you, because I think we're both very spiritual women yeah. uh, we are both women of faith and mm-hmm. um and we're guided by that in mm-hmm. our lives it's um it's the thing that really guides us from day to day in mm-hmm. in what we do can you tell me about your journey your your spiritual journey and the, and the journey perhaps it's led you to the work that you do as a transformational coach
1: Mm, absolutely. Um, so, I think I've always sort of been in touch with my my inner soul, always listening to that, as we call it, the inner voice, or you know, our gut feeling, ever since I was a little kid. Um, and I and I think I was really guided by it for a long time until I kind of shut it down, which we do a lot of times because we get caught up in social paradigms and things, and we just kind of shut down all those intuitive senses. Um, it was probably in about 2014-2015 when I started to realize that some of the choices I was making within my relationships um, in my not only romantic but friendships were not beneficial in a sense I wasn't growing from those relationships too much Um, and that's when I decided that I really wanted to I was already sort of supporting women that I knew, friends and stuff. And, and just by giving them little bits of tidbits on sort of how to get through certain things. And I realized that when people had come back to me, you know, six months or a year down the line, they had said, you know, I still do what you shared with me to do. And I said, oh, wow. And I think that was sort of an eye opener as to shift some of the friends that I was with. And so I started to let go of some of the friends that I felt were no longer really impacting my life in a supportive way. I wasn't learning anything from them. And I started to sort of dive into that transformation of understanding that no matter what our past is, it's how we shape our future. We can never undo that. The moment that, that you are in right now is the most important. So I started to really embrace gratitude and enjoying things, the simple little things in life. And, even though at that time I was married um, to a different person um, and we ended up divorcing in 2019, I took from that marriage so much. I mean, we are still friends today. It just, we we were better friends than we were husband and wife, but I can honestly say that the friends that I had in 2014 and the people I socialized with are not even the same people that I socialize with today. My life is a three hundred and sixty completely, um, because I made those choices. I wanted to embrace my life in a different way by embracing every day that I got up, and if I could make those changes, and I and I started to collaborate with different people, different speakers, different um, coaches, and started to really hone in on understanding that everything we want to do in life starts within. It starts within ourselves. And knowing that once we heal ourselves, we can make different changes and different steps. It's that transformation of realizing that first and then making those changes. Hence, all the people in my life six years ago are no longer those people in my life. I have different friends, different associates, because I'm learning different things from them. These people are just different because I've made those changes, but I had to become aware of it first. If you're open to that and through my coaching, I work not only just with conversation and giving tips and tools, but I also work with energy. So I speak a lot with them on sort of their chakras and what's out of whack, what emotions they're in, um, One of my clients, I mean, I won't go into detail, but, you know, a lot of times that client would get caught up so much in the emotion of what was going on and realizing that the emotion, it really had nothing to do with the situation. It was just what she thought it should be. And as soon as she released that uh, emotion, she was able to go to the next level. And this is something that I try to teach within my programs is that each and every Challenge or program we have is based on an emotion, whether negative or positive. And so, if you're always in a place of frustration, fear, and anger, then a lot of your choices in life are going to be based on that. It's not to say that you're not allowed to feel those things. Absolutely. Sit in that anger, sit in that fear. But you don't have to keep it going. You can release it, feel it, let it go, and then move on. And know that. It's just a contrast. And this is something I share with a lot of my clients is that when you have that jealousy or that anger or that frustration, it means that you're in contrast to what your soul really wants. So if you have resistance to something, it's because you're not in a vibrational alignment of what you really want. So you have to sit back and think, why am I feeling this fear? Why am I feeling this anger? Oh, it's because of this or, oh, it's because of that. And when you're in those beautiful moments of gratitude or, you know, when you have those joyful, joyful moments where you're feeling bliss, I always encourage my clients, those are the moments you want to manifest what you want to see happen because your vibration is higher. You feel good. You're putting good energy out to the world. You don't want to be manifesting when you're in those fear and negative because you're going to manifest the same thing. So yeah, if I can leave you with that, I think that's probably, you know, it's changed my life on how I look at things. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that got me through the six months of going in and out of hospitals with my son during COVID is I just kept saying to myself, I'm going to, you know, this is something that's showing me what I have to get through. And I did, I did really well with it. So I'm very happy that I had the tools in my toolbox in order to understand that, so.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm so aligned with
1: everything that
0: you said (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I work with the energy too and I just know how uh, important it is to get into the right energy space if you want to make anything positive manifest in your life it's very easy to manifest a whole lot of crap when you are in a negative space it's
1: so true Is there, and people say that they're like i don't understand why does the same crap keep happening to me and i'm like because you keep talking about it and thinking about it the universe goes ah, okay well here's some more because you keep yeah. saying you don't want it but You know, the universe doesn't understand, don't want and want. It just feels the vibration and gives you more.
0: Yeah, that's why it's so important to actually do things to try and lift your energy and even, you know, whatever that looks like for you, whether that is meditation, whether that is getting up off your bum and going for a walk in a really pretty place just, you know, watching something funny, you know, just lifting your energy by just making yourself light and bright. And when you are light and bright, that's the time where you can Mm. manifest the positive stuff But you've got to get into that energy first. So yeah, yeah, that's a very, very practical reason about why it's so important not to stay down in the dumps okay yes exactly yeah yeah so oh look I've just absolutely loved our conversation and I'd love to keep going on forever but I think we're about out of time so before we go would you like to share any links with the listeners so that they can find you Rochelle
1: yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on social media at Roots for Success Limited on Instagram. Um, I also have a website which is rootsforsuccess.ca. Um, yeah, and if you ever want to reach out to me, my name is Rochelle Harlington. I'm on Facebook and Love to hear anybody's stories, so always open to share things. And, and yeah, I'm so glad that you invited me on and we got to share our stories.
0: Me too. And I'll pop those links into the episode notes if anybody wants to get in contact with Rochelle to make it super easy. Okay, so for the last question, Rochelle, I just always ask, because this podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, Mm-hmm. What does that title mean to you as a woman?
1: <sighs> tiaras and Triumphs. Mm. It means that we're all queens and that we can all wear tiaras, even though sometimes you may have tumultuous, you know, tyrants in our life. We can embrace those moments because they teach us to move forward in such a beautiful way. You know, women are such beautiful creations and so powerful. And I don't think women realize how beautiful and powerful they are. So true. So true.
0: Well, Rochelle, I have loved every second of our (laughs) chat today. So thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast.
1: You're so welcome.
0: We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship. And for a long time, I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor there are also many online counseling supports available and a word of advice if the counselor is not a good fit for you try another and if you need to try another until you have one that is the right fit for you tune in again for the tiara's tears and triumphs podcast helping women who have been hurt acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to make these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au Hey now. Can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today sending you lots of love and light and above all else wishing you well you are brilliant keep shining stay safe sandy